Fossum with us. Uh, he is a partner in a Michigan-based law firm and chairs the firm's social, mobile, and emerging media team. And I got to sit in on uh, your plenary session, Brian, uh, on uh, what would Jesus post? Uh, so first, thanks so much for taking the time to, to answer some of our questions here. Not a problem. So uh, what would Jesus post? That, that, <laughs> that's, that's the big question. Uh, I, I, enjoyed your, I enjoyed your session. Uh, with the, kind of this proliferation of social media, whether it's uh, Facebook, which my daughter, my 12-year-old daughter, tells me uh, only old people are on Facebook. So things change very, very quickly. Very quickly. Um, but, you know, Facebook, Twitter, um, you know, Instagram, Snapchat, all these different things that are out there. Um, your, your presentation kind of looked at a lot of the dangers uh, and the misuses and the ways that Christians waste time sometimes mm -hmm. uh, getting engaged in social media. So what are some of the, uh, what are some of the dangers of social, media's, uh, social media for, uh, I guess, Christians and non-Christians alike, really? Sure. Well, and that's one of the things that led me into this uh, course of study to begin with was just seeing the uh, all sorts of creative ways in which social media has gone bad for people um, in, in, in ver various contexts, whether you want to look at that from a spiritual perspective or uh, an employment perspective or, or just a human perspective. And there's, there's as, as I uh, began my talk, and every time I address a topic like this, I, I always lead off with, with this observation that, um, you know, I call it the Gospel of Spider-Man. That with great power. I'm okay with this with this gospel. <laughs> <laughs> All truth is God's truth, right? Right, right. Um, that um, with great power comes great responsibility, and just r getting to us to recognize that the ability to reach out and touch just about any person on the face of the planet with our words is great power. You know, it's power that people in prior generations would have killed for, and we take it for granted. And um, when we wield that power. Um, thoughtlessly, we can harm not only ourselves but others with what we choose to say. Okay. Um, so give, give an example uh, of someone really screwing up using social media. What's a, what's a good example of, of this? And, and why, should, why should people, I guess, give a good enough example why, why people should worry. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one of the examples that I used, which is a, a homegrown one, was uh, the guy who Got stuck in traffic on 696 and uh, tweeted out his frustration with that situation using some uh, some profanities in the, in the course of it and uh, not realizing that because he was a PR professional, he was logged into uh, Chrysler Auto's Twitter account rather than his own. And then by the time he uh, realized that it deleted it, of course, it was too late and, and uh, put it, made a big mess for Chrysler. Uh, of course, he himself lost a job, but then his employer lost the Chrysler account, and so 20 of his best friends lost their job. and. Uh, that's just stained his reputation for the rest of his life. You know, it's something he's got to deal with now, and you can still find out plenty about it by typing his name or a Chrysler F-bomb guy into Google, and, and you get the whole story all over again. It's something that's just never going to go away. Okay. I, I, I really feel like Chrysler should have understood that. I mean, I've been stuck in traffic on 696. It's, <laughs> uh, I, I don't agree with his choice of words, but I do agree with his sentiment. People should know how to drive in the, <laughs> in the state of Michigan but, uh, or in the city of Detroit. But either way, um, so we, we actually got to sit down at lunch today. And part of the conversation, uh, a young lady was asking you a question. I believe her name was Sarah. And she was saying something along the lines of, you know, having kind of different identities on different social media uh, outlets because, you know, on her Facebook, her family is, you know, pretty older, the skew's older, it's more conservative, and so uh, I guess she's a model or something like that, and so there's pictures that uh, might offend, aren't sinful, but might offend, and so she puts that on a different type of account, uh, account and 
I said, you know, for me, and maybe, again, this isn't necessarily a Christian attitude, I don't really care all the time. Like, I'll post pictures of beer because I drink beer, and my thought is you should just be able to click unfollow. If, if you don't like what you see, you can unfollow me. Uh, how much onus is put on me uh, to cater to someone's offense? And they might be deeply wounded. They might think that something is sin, uh, but we do live in an, a generation where you can unfollow. So to what point do I sacrifice? Because sure. Paul talks about, you know, I would rather give up, you know, meat mm-hmm. for the rest of my life and become a vegetarian. Uh, so how, how long of a leash do we give people uh, to uh, their offense or to the weaker brother? How, how long of a leash do we give to a, a weaker brother, I guess? Sure. Well, recognizing what we've just talked about, the permanency of social media, um, I'm not going to get into any personal uh, situations with any one uh, individual, but but um, some of these examples that, that you're using there are, are just uh, two of, of many applications mm-hmm. yep. of that, of, of what you call the weaker brother principle. And that's something we spent some time talking about in the session. And, and uh, you're, what that comes from is Paul's statement that uh, in, in the context of new believers who were um, conditioned to think of meat sacrificed to idols as something holy and something set apart that they shouldn't eat, and then Christian believers who didn't share those beliefs, obviously, um, uh, took the meat to where they wanted with it, and, uh, and these people were offended, not because intellectually they, they still um, thought of it as holy or, or disagreed that you know, there, there wasn't anything special about these idols, but just because from their conditioning, their background, uh, this is still something that they're wrestling with, and this was, there is an emotional attachment there, and uh, it was causing them to, um, to have difficulty accepting this new belief system. And Paul says, you know, what really matters at the end of the day is how you draw people to God and, and the effect that you have on people uh, from an eternal perspective, right, rather than your um, uh, temporal uh, convenience. So uh, the idea being, then he, he, he brings that home and says, well, if it's between me enjoying a steak and someone else uh, coming to know Christ and having uh, a better eternity for it, then I'm going to choose to forego that stake. Okay. So that, that weaker brother principle that we, we call that, I mean, it, it can, without understanding the context, that name can be a little bit misleading because it's not a value judgment on the other person. Um, but if it, 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 it abstracts to the principle of if we do something that we are okay with, we are comfortable with, doesn't affect our relationship with God, but we know that it affects someone else's relationship with God by virtue of them um, seeing it and, and, and encountering that, then that's something that we should be willing to forego in the near term in order to benefit them in the long term. So um, you, you raised the example of, of beer, and that's one that I mentioned, of course, in, in my presentation as well. And that's, that's an easy one that we can grasp because that's, that's a, a temptation, a struggle that we know people encounter in our society mm-hmm. um, often. And so... The idea there being, um, if, if I'm in a situation where I know that I'm around people who struggle with an alcohol addiction, then am I going to make their situation worse by drinking in front of them, even if I'm a person who uh, doesn't have a problem with that? Okay. And um, I, I think the, the answer there, uh, it's pretty clear to me, and we can, we can debate that, but my, my, um, 
my conviction would be that that would be a wrong choice to make is to, to do that in front of them. And I don't think you disagree with that. I, I know we right. talked about this right. a little bit. But then the, the question, your question then becomes how far do we carry that principle down the line, right? Do I not have any beer in my house because someone might come over? Do I not talk? And then your specific question, do I talk about it on Facebook uh, when nobody has to choose to read that uh, and they could just unfollow me? And I think with all of these things, it needs to come down to uh, a prayerful uh, choice of the individual and, and a judgment call on their part. Um, what I first and foremost am encouraging people to do, though, is ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Because you know, too often, we're just not even doing that. Uh, I think we're, we're a lot better off if we um, think of these issues rightly first. And then we can you know, get to what the answer is. Okay. So uh, last question then, because uh, part, of, uh, part of your notes were the inevitability of apologetic conversations online. Mm -hmm. uh, I am of the position where I have uh, removed most incendiary um, commentary from my Facebook, because I would often start arguments and it would turn into like an all day thread. And then uh, my work, <laughs> I actually got talked to at work by mm -hmm. my bosses. They said, look, we followed your Facebook all day and you're here at work. What are you doing? Like, cause I got so caught up sure. in this conversation and it's like 110, you know, 110 comments later. And it was over something that the next day I didn't even care about. Right. And so uh, you have these conversations that don't take place well online. So I've moved a lot of it uh, offline. But there's still the inevitability of some of these conversations are going to take place online because online is where people are. It's just, I mean, people do online dating now because that's where you meet, because that's where people are. Uh, and so my question then for you would be, um, how can Christians uh, thoughtfully engage their online interactions? If they're going to take place online, how can Christians thoughtfully engage? Well, and that goes to applying some of the other ideas that we talked about just of specifically on on the argumentation side mm -hmm. you know it's it's an important reminder that Jesus calls us to be peacemakers specifically and when we have interpersonal conflict we uh, we first and foremost approach those people uh, personally uh, directly and individually not in front of other people we don't drag other people into that conversation and just the nature of social media and digital media in general is that uh, other people get to see that when it's on a public platform and so that's almost by definition an inappropriate place to have these interpersonal uh, mm -hmm. disputes hashed out now when it comes to uh, arguing issues right and, and, and debating the issues of the day debating is one thing but you know for reasons that we spent some time discussing um, online conversations tend to veer pretty quickly uh, and pretty directly into a, a negative back and forth and, and, and actually attacking the person, exchanging um, vile rather than, than reason. And, and for that reason, I, I think that you made the right decision in, in, in pulling back from that because uh, at the end of the day, what we're left with is, is a bunch of name calling and, and, and dialogue that doesn't really have a lot of content to it and doesn't have a lot of yeah, I wouldn't even call it. I wouldn't even call it dialogue. I, exactly, right, exactly. Yeah. They're, they're not ideas being exchanged, and it's, it's not the spirit that we're called to convey. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Brian, for, for taking time out to answer some of my questions. Pleasure. And uh, we'll definitely have you on in a longer form when Justin, uh, Justin can be here uh, in the room to take some of those questions as well. Uh, this is cool. Doing live, live interviews is always a little bit harder because uh, when you got somebody on the phone, it's like they're at home. But when you're doing it live, it's like, okay, I got 15 minutes with you. I got 15 minutes with you. Okay, this person wasn't here on time, so I pushed everything back. So, but thank you so much for It's a great thing so you're doing with the podcast, man. Good luck. Thank you so much. All right.